this morning comes from uh, Ephesians in chapter 4. Uh, I'll read it. It begins in verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And continuing in verse 11, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of deceitful teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. Um, you might have noticed a theme running through our service, the church. Uh, at the end of the service, I'm going to invite the leaders of our church, uh, the leaders of all the various ministries of our church up front, and introduce them to you. Um, but first, as a preparation for that, I'd like to talk about what it means to be in the Christian church, um, what the Christian church is all about, what are the gifts what is the body of Christ, and why are we here? And so you see this passage from uh, a letter to a church, the Ephesian church. Paul wrote this letter um, when Christ appeared to Paul after he had been persecuting the early Christians. He began traveling around the Roman Empire, visiting the various um, places that had been united by the Roman Empire that had now roads and security, and he planted churches. He went to the major cities around the Mediterranean Sea, and he would preach in a synagogue or he would preach in a marketplace. The people who responded, he would gather together, often in, t in somebody's house. He would begin to teach them intensely, and he would form the core of a new church. And once the church was established, he would move on to the next city. But he kept in touch with all those churches, and the church in Ephesus was one of those churches that he planted. And here, in his letter, he talks about the nature of the church, what it meant for them in Ephesus to be a church, and uh, what it meant for them to grow together as the body of Christ. So let's have a look at it. But to each of you... But to, each one of, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Grace, the, the Greek word there is charis, is where we get charismatic and charisma from. Usually we think of grace as a sort of infinite, abundant gift to everyone. The grace of God, God's love for us. But here you see it's used in a particular way. The grace that Jesus appoints or apportions to each person. When used like this, it's referring to a spiritual gift. You'll oftentimes hear charismatic Christians talk about the gifts of the Spirit. That is, the particular unique talents, um, strengths, abilities, insights that each individual Christian has, the unique call and ministry of each individual Christian, which is a gift 
of the Spirit, a gift given by Jesus. What does it mean? It means that everyone in this room is given a gift. And the purpose of the Christian church is to help Christians develop their gifts. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. Apostles, prophets, teachers, priests, ministers. The church is not about professional Christians. The church and the leaders in the church are there to serve and to help teach and equip individual Christians so that they can fulfill their call, their personal call, and their personal ministry. One of the great insights and, and strengths of the Reformation, which began the Protestant church, was this single idea. It used to be thought that you had sort of the professional Christians with a vocation, you know, priests and monks and nuns. And they were the real Christians, and then everybody else just would show up and listen to them. One of the things that Martin Luther insisted on, based on passages like this, is that no, there's no division in the church. Everyone, every single Christian, is called. That means they have heard Jesus Christ's voice calling them out of the darkness, into the light, into his church. And once in the church, those called Christians are equipped by the Holy Spirit and the church itself, grown, matured, and become ministers. The way that Peter, uh, the rock on which Christ built his church, put it was, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. He's there talking to every single Christian. Every single Christian is a royal priest. Every single Christian is called out of darkness into the light of God's presence, the church, to witness to the world the beauty of God revealed through Christ. Every single person. Maybe some of you are wondering why you're here this morning. It is a miserable day out there, a miserable rainy day in December, and yet here we all are. Why are we here? To discover your call. To discover why you and I were called by God to this church in particular. We could have slept in. We could have gone and had eggs benedict. But no, we came here because we were called. Each of us is here to grow in the knowledge of God, Scripture, in our ability and our range of worship, in our comfort with prayer. I have noticed that new Christians are oftentimes very uncomfortable with prayer. One of the reasons we have prayer in our service is to make that part of our everyday life but to cultivate your personal gifts. Each one of you was called for a reason. Each one of you is unique. And each one of you, I'm including myself, is given unique gifts, talents, insights, abilities 
that together make the body of Christ richer and more beautiful. Why? So that God's kingdom could be advanced. So the church would be a more complete witness. That's why we pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done. We, when we become Christians, when we begin to express our call, that is, the reason that Jesus brought us into his church, as we begin to express the gifts that he has given each of us, we become the body of Christ advancing Christ's kingdom on earth. And what is the ultimate goal? I was told this when I uh, first became a pastor, and uh, it has stuck with me. Why are you going into ministry? What's the purpose? What's, the, what's your hope as a, as a Christian, as a minister, as somebody who's uh, serving God's people? And the only good answer to that is that one day, each of us will stand before God. The, Brahm, the Bible promises that we will stand face-to-face before Christ. And the only thing a Christian should hope to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. And that is our purpose. It'll happen to us. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so the church is preparing us, preparing God's people for that moment. So we're doing two things in the church. We are building the church, the body of Christ, advancing his kingdom, and we are personally growing ourselves so that we become more effective, more equipped, more complete, more capable servants of the one who called us so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, so that the body of Christ may be built up, the body of Christ is the Christian church, so that we might become more mature, that's more competent, more wise in the ways of the world and the ways of the church, more useful, so that we can become more united, One of the great scandals of the Christian church is the fact that Christians are so divided. You know, not only individual churches and denominations, but the broader church. We have Orthodox church, the Orthodox churches, the Catholic churches, the Protestant churches. It's a scandal because the church is the body of Christ. And those divisions and schisms are wounds, gaping holes in the body of Christ. And the only solution is that Christians get over themselves. Christians stop being about building their own kingdoms, become humble, and serve the greater purpose. Become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. 
One of the promises that you make, those of you who have become members of this church, it is that you will study the peace and the purity of this church. That means as you become a more mature Christian, as you become more aware of God's word, if you see people like me doing ungodly things, doing things out of pride or conceit, that you challenge the leadership of the church. Your job is the purity and peace of not this church, but the whole church, the whole body of Christ. Our job is to make the body of Christ in the world beautiful and glorious. But there's a problem. And the problem is us. The problem is people. When I talk to other pastors, I always say that the problem with Redeemer Hoboken is people. If there were no people here, this would run so smoothly. We have no problems at all. And I include myself, by the way. I am a difficult man to love, and so it's remarkable that you put up with me at all. Jean-Paul Sartre, a French philosopher, said that hell is other people because other people are a problem. Um, before I joined the Christian church, before I became um, a Christian, I was a, I was a member of another, several communities, in fact, in different places, but two in particular stand out. And I'll bring this up just as a contrast between the way the world organizes itself and the way that the church organizes itself. When I was a teenager, uh, I spent half a year living on a kibbutz in Israel. And kibbutzes are, were a socialist uh, experiment. Before Israel became a nation, it was uh, an undeveloped land, and groups of Jews would go there and form communes, um, sharing everything. Uh, sort of a socialist utopia. They needed to s stay together. There was no support system out there. And actually, they became the foundation of the state of Israel. But the one I stated had been there a very long time, and its purpose, creating Israel, had been accomplished. And it had become quite decadent and corrupt. Um, you eat communally. You, sh you wear the same clothes. They are repaired and cleaned for you. Your accommodation is cleaned. Everything is done for you. Even the children are housed and educated and fed separately from the parents so that the mothers are free to work equally alongside the men. Very progressive and very egalitarian. But the problem is that without a shared family life, especially in the evenings in the middle of rural areas, because that's where the kibbutzes were started, they were farms, the adults are bored out of their mind, trapped on these little farms. They seem to spend most of their time having affairs, getting divorced, having screaming fits in the middle of the dining room of the kibbutz. Oftentimes, because we were close to the Lebanese border, they were armed in case of terrorists from the north. It was, uh, it was soap opera. It was an extraordinary place. And the children were all lunatics. The children grow up separate from their parents, and then they try to rebel by leaving the kibbutz. But they've grown up in a commune. They've been taken care of their whole life. They can't live out there. They can't take care of themselves. So they come back sullen and resentful, taking drugs, doing vandalizing. They were just a bunch of lunatics. 
rebels who don't know how to live alone, a sad group. So no socialist utopia for me. How about anarchy? That is more my cup of tea. So in my 20s, um, I joined or I lived for a winter in an arco-syndicalist commune in Western Berlin before the wall came down, as you do. Um, and the commune was a factory building, an old factory building. It was a whole block in the middle of West Berlin in the, uh, the area, the, kind of the, the more anarchic part of West Berlin at that time. And um, I don't know who paid for it, but the lights were always on. It was filled with art. All the walls were covered and colored. Uh, it was warm. It was always full of people eating these huge feasts, playing music, arguing politics, and plotting revolution. That's what uh, anarchists do. Um, in fact, when Ronald Reagan went there, and yeah, this was 1982 when I was there, and uh, he flew in, the, in Marine One to Checkpoint Charlie to have a look at it. And the, the commune, this was before I was there, it was the summer, I was there in the winter, he painted across the whole city block, the whole roof of the building, F.U. Reagan, and all stood on the roof with black anarchist flags, challenging Marine One. That was kind of, I wasn't there. I did not <laughs> wave an anarchist flag at the American president, I want you to know. What was the problem? Well, there were no formal marriages in the place, many relationships, hookups, and affairs. It was a minefield of festering feuds, screaming public fights over the meal table, and the children were all lunatics. How are you going to out-rebel your cool, tattooed, black-clad anarchist mom? You just can't do it. You'll never be as cool as her. Who is your dad? Many of them didn't know. And so the, the kids were alternately fawned upon and spoiled or just shooed away. They formed little chaotic tribes by age, and they would just run around like, uh, like packs of dogs under your feet. Sometimes you'd pet them, and sometimes you'd shoo them out of the kitchen. What was the problem? These communities were, were united by ideas, or sometimes a sense of purpose, although anarchists have very conflicted sense of purpose. There was no emotional connection. There was no social capital. There was no reason beyond their politics, or in the case of the kibbutz, the, the goal of creating Israel. What unites the Christian church is not an idea or a philosophy, not even a goal. It is Jesus Christ. It is he who is our head, and he who has our individual hearts. Political groups are united by ideology and action. Schools and colleges are united by a shared purpose. Institutions, clubs are united by uh, shared projects. Corporations are united by work and money. The Christian church is united by love. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. He is the reason that we're here. And here's the thing that's not often appreciated. 
What happens when you're united by God? Well, God is infinite. That means there's no limit to the number and quality of the relationships that he can have with each individual. It oftentimes upsets people that Jesus had particular disciples that he loved more than others or had a different relationship. Should God's love be universal? Well, no. Who wants universal love? If you fall in love with someone, you want them to love you personally, uniquely, intimately. You want it to be all about your relationship, not about the relationship with other people. Human institutions, human leaders, human governments have to get have their relationship with their population, with their citizens, with their members in a uniform manner. They got to, because they've got to standardize everything. They're only finite. There's only so much that they can give to each individual. But that's not true with God. Each of you has a different relationship with God. And that relationship has God's full attention more than anybody else. It's why that, why that parable about the shepherd going after the one sheep and leaving the 99 has always appealed to me. Yes, he has a relationship with the 99. But his relationship with you, he is willing to come find you no matter where you are. He's willing to die for you and give himself to you completely. So with an infinite God, the church has room for everybody. But everyone is welcomed uniquely, called uniquely, given unique gifts, and has a unique reason and relationship with Christ the head. And that's the source of our unity. When Jesus sums up the Bible, he says, Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself in the same way. We love each other only because we first love him, and he loves us uniquely. And that is our shared strength. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. What happens when you join the Christian church? when you become a member. Well, think of the opposite idea. What happens when you dismember a body? You chop it up. You lop off limbs. You mutilate it. You disfigure it. You make it less useful. Usually, it leads to death. Membership is the opposite. As each Christian becomes a member and joins themselves to the body of Christ, brings in your unique spiritual gifts, your unique talents and abilities, your passions, your insight, your life. Every additional member makes the body of Christ more complete and more beautiful, more useful and able in the world. Your presence gives this church more vitality, more life. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love 
as each part does its work. Each part is each one of you. As we together join our gifts to the body of Christ, it builds up that body, makes it more complete, more beautiful, more useful, more able to fulfill God's call, more visible as the body of Christ in the world. Our purpose statement is this. In response to Christ's love, we seek to proclaim his truth, that is, share the knowledge of Christ with other people, become his disciples, learn together to follow Christ more completely, and serve our neighbors. Use our gifts, not just selfishly for ourselves, but for the community in which we are placed, to serve our neighbors, to serve the world. That's why we're here. That's the Christian church. And one day, God willing, together we'll stand before Christ, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the ultimate goal. Now, all that is in preparation. I want to show you now some of the leaders of our church. This is a bit of a promotion. I would like you to consider joining some of these ministries. Part of the purpose is to introduce some of your leaders, but also to challenge you. If you've been coming to the church relatively for a short time, think about what ministry is appealing. Is this something you're feeling a call towards? Is there some ministry that you'd like to begin to explore so you can express your gifts? With that, I'd like all the leaders to come forward. And if you guys could form a, a line in front of the table, and I will introduce you. We'll see how many we got. Now, one caveat. There are a lot of you. So uh, I, I always like to say to people, be bold, be biblical, be brief. If every one of you speaks for a minute, we're going to be here forever. So I am not going to relinquish the microphone. I'm going to put it in your face so you can't hog it. And I'm going to ask you a question. Started this in. So the, the question is your name, your ministry, and are you looking for volunteers, more people to join your ministry? If you see or hear a ministry you'd, you'd like to think about, then I invite you to speak to these people afterwards. I'm Jossie. Robin Wall and I help lead the moms group. Um, so any mom who's available during the day, Wednesdays at 930, feel free to join us. I'm Andrew Schaff. I serve on the board of the Hoboken Shelter, which is one of the, the, the most instant, the pillars of, the, of our community here in Hoboken. And every last Friday, we as a church um, fund, we, we buy the whole dinner for the, the whole shelter at night, and then we supply volunteers. So every last Friday, we're always looking for volunteers, and then there's many ways to get involved with the shelter beyond that. I'm Pam Shop, and uh, okay, I do fellowship groups, so we would love for everyone to be in the fellowship group. So if you are not in one, let me know, and we'll try to plug you into one. I also do the meals ministry, so that's for people who, you know, if you're having a kid or you have surgery or anything happening in your life where you need some meals, let me know. 
And on the other side, if you want to bring meals, come to me and I will add you into our distribution list. And I also do the Welcome Center, so we're always looking for more friendly people to greet. I'm Lori Lawrence. I represent the Diaconate, and our aim is just to be available to people who need a listening ear or prayer support or other material support. And we, our members are nominated in the spring. So. My name is Barbara, and I'm with the accounting department, and that's it. I don't have a ministry. <laughs> Barbara doesn't come to our church, um, but she is the one that processes all the money. She is the only one, actually, who knows who and what amounts are given to the church. So she's the only person that knows all this stuff. Good morning, I'm Laura Gosa. I'm on staff with New City Kids, which is supported by Redeemer Hoboken. We always are looking for volunteers, groups that want to come out and work or volunteer in our after-school center or tutoring with our teens. Hi, everyone, I'm Elsie. Hi, everyone. I'm Elsie Fulgencio. I represent the Lord's Supper team, and we're the people who work behind the scenes to prepare the elements for you before the start of the service. Um, so if you're interested, please come see me after the service. Hi, my name is May, and I'm part of the women's ministry. So if you have any ideas or want to start something, just let me know. If you need support, I can be there for you as well. And you saw the potluck, and I want to like have that more for you guys. So just let me know if you want to join. Hi, I'm Godfrey. I lead the men's ministry, so uh, I organize a men's retreat, and I try to get events throughout the year for men to get together. If you have any ideas, let me know. I also do social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, it's, I can, If you would like to help with that, especially with Instagram, that would be helpful. Hi, I'm Rachel Chan. I'm the director of children's ministry. And I know I've been really blessed to work with the kids, and I know the teachers and assistants are too. And so I would love for you to have that opportunity if you're interested in teaching or assisting in the children's ministry anywhere between the nursery and grade five. Just let me know. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jen Groff. I help coordinate the calendar and announcements and things like that. So if you ever have anything that you would like to share, always feel free to speak to me. I'm also up here on behalf of Karen Delcizian, who could not be here today, but she is uh, the Sunday morning operations coordinator, and she is looking for a volunteer to help her about once a month, get her a little early, check in with all the ministries. Um, so feel free to speak to Karen or me if that interests you. Um, my name is Alex Chen. Good morning. Um, so two ministries, lighting and PowerPoint, and we do need volunteers for both. Um, so if you ever wanted to yourself, well, I've been to a lot of presentations but never really got to work the clicker. So you can come talk to me. <laughs> and if you've put up Christmas light in the past, then you can come to me, talk to me as well. Also, Alex will be away for two Sundays this Christmas, so we do need some people to put up these lights over Christmas, I, and Alex and I would love to hear from you if you're able to do that. I am Latoya Smith, good morning. And um, I organize the, what we call the worship and music part <laughs> ministry. Godfrey's laughing at me, or Pastor Tony. Oh, he's probably laughing at you, that's good. Um, we are always looking for volunteers, uh, specifically people who are interested in liturgy, writing prayers. Many of the prayers are written. Um, the word, the scriptures, 
um, seeking to, to develop music and organize music. Also looking for volunteers to sing, <laughs> uh, volunteers to uh, be musicians, but we're also looking to continue to grow and develop partnerships with professional musicians. So if you know any professional musicians out and about, please let them know as well. And then also we'd like to uh, develop a nice, a strong children's music ministry children who are interested in playing instruments and singing. And finally, if you're into drama and theater and the arts, we need you as well. So please see me after service. Awesome. Um, Steve Day, work with the teen ministry here in this church. Uh, our teen ministry has been growing rapidly. And uh, we, we're not just for this church, but for many churches in this area. And we're looking for uh, teen workers. And it doesn't have to be you. It could be maybe you just know an organization where we could make an announcement or a college that happens to have a ministry or something like that. Um, these kids are hungry to be on an adventure with God. Uh, they're very excited. We just need adults to spend some time with them and show them the way. So. Um, hi, um, I'm Olga Estrella, and I'm doing the hospitality. And if anyone is interested in volunteering, they're more than welcome. Um, again, I'm Kevin. The other side of my name tag says website. So if you uh, are interested in helping us with our web presence and keeping it up to date and maybe freshening it up now and then, and I also do the newsletter. So if there's, those are two things that uh, if it strikes your fancy, you can talk to me about it and we can figure out a way to get you involved. So there are some of our leaders. Um, many of them need your help. Many of them would love to spend some time equipping you for service within this church. Some of you are feeling a little tug right now, a little call from God, a still silent voice that is nudging you. So pay attention and consider talking to these people after the service. Uh, right now I will pray for our church and for our leaders and then we'll continue with our service. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for these men and women and their willingness to serve you, to answer your call, to uh, spend time and energy and be about the business of your church. Lord, they genuinely are uh, a royal priesthood. And I ask, we ask, that you would bless us through them and that you would show us how to support them. And Lord, you would show us how to grow and join them. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. So now as we continue to worship, we're going to receive an offering. The offering is a chance for those of you who are members of our church uh, and or supporters of the ministries of our church uh, to give to those ministries. Uh, this is uh, not something necessarily for visitors or guests. If you are a visitor or guest, think about what you've heard. Enjoy this music. <laughs> 